the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hi, everybody. This is Ron Geyer with End Time Insights. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you're getting blessed, getting educated, getting inspired. And Pastor John Osteen used to say all the time, you don't need more inspiration. What you need is information. But praise the Lord, we want to give you both. Today, we are going to speak on apostasy. And we're going to title this message, Prelude to Apostasy, we are entering into the age where the church has many, many, many members that are leaving it. I want to give you a foundation scripture. It's found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, the people at Thessalonica, they were concerned. They had thought that perhaps they had missed the second coming of Christ or the rapture, the return of Jesus, or where he takes away the church out of the world. And they were concerned about that. And Paul felt necessary that he needed to go ahead and write a letter. And I want to remind you, let no man. Remember, anytime there's a word after let, let is a power word. Anytime there's a word after let, that means you have the power, you have the authority to go ahead and Let that happen or prevent it from happening. Here, Paul says, don't let anybody deceive you. You have power to keep people from deceiving you. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. So the day that Paul is writing about is the return of Christ. Some would say it's the rapture of the church, either one that's fine, but the falling away must come first before they have to happen. Two things have to happen before Christ's return, and that is going to be the falling away and the manifestation of the Antichrist in the earth. I love Matthew Henry. He's an old-time commentator, and I love the way he writes. I love the language that he uses. It's just an old type of, uh, what is that? It might even be a like a King's English almost in a sense. That's probably wrong, but I just love the phraseology that he uses. But he writes concerning this scripture, a general apostasy, there would come a falling away first. By this apostasy, we are not to understand a defection in the state or a defection from civil government, but it's a spiritual or a religious matter that's affected by this apostasy. It's a falling away from sound doctrine. It's a falling away from accepted instituted worship. And it's a falling away from church government. It's a falling away also from a holy lifestyle. The apostle speaks of some very great apostasy, not only of some by Jews or Gentiles, but it's a worldwide apostasy. It's a very general apostasy. It's gradual, and it should be given occasion to the revelation and the rise of the Antichrist, the man of sin. So in God's timeline, you've got the 
church, you've got many in the church falling away. You have many in the church actually renouncing consciously Christ as the Messiah, turning their backs on God. It's a conscious effort. Nobody falls into apostasy by accident. It's a, it's a long-term process. The reason I'm doing this today is I want to show you the steps that we are on that are leading to this apostasy. And it's not something to be taken lightly. I don't know if anybody's talking about it in your church, but I don't mind. I'm going to tell you these hard truths. They're not popular. People don't want to talk about it. But Paul thought it important enough to explain it to the church. Jesus speaks about it. When we get over to Matthew, we're going to talk about it. But Paul's point here is quite clear. He's telling the people at Thessalonica, you are worried that we're in the great tribulation and that you missed the rapture. But you can know that we are not in the great tribulation because we have not yet seen the falling away in the church that comes first. And it's not a falling away. It's the falling away. It's a very specific pointed falling away that takes place. That makes it even more significant. Dave Gusick writes that this is the falling away, the great and final rebellion. Some have suggested that maybe this is in reference to a departure, that this is actually talking about the rapture of the church. But where that word is used, departure, it's used in a negative sense. And it implies that someone is leaving of their own accord. When we are raptured, we are not leaving of our own accord. It is a sovereign move of God to take us out of the earth to prevent the church from having to go through the apostasy, having to go through the tribulation, having to suffer the wrath of God. No, we are not appointed unto wrath. Matthew 24, 9. Let's see what Jesus has to say about some of this end time stuff that's coming down regarding the church. Verse 9, chapter 24. Then shall they, brother Christians, shall deliver you up to be afflicted. They shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. There's some serious stuff here. This is the persecution that's coming upon those who remain true. And verse 10, and then shall many in the church be offended, and they shall betray one another, and they shall hate one another. You can see that the seeds for national hatred are being planted right now by those in opposition parties to the righteous stance that our president has taken by the news media promoting hatred amongst fellow citizens. You hear so many politicians say, we need to get united. We need to become united again. Well, I have bad news. That's not going to happen. We're in a life and death struggle between good and evil. And it's something that's going to go on right until the very return of Christ. Verse 11, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That's a very important scripture. We'll break it down in a minute. Understand that the apostasy just doesn't take place during the tribulation period. We are already entering into it now. That's why this message is called Prelude to Apostasy. I am trying to warn you. You are not going to pray away the apostasy. You are not going to pray away the rise of the Antichrist. You are not going to pray away the tribulation. All of this stuff that's coming, it's written. It's going to happen. You can't change it. But you can be warned about it so it doesn't take you down. Understand the apostasy. It's going on now. It's beginning now. Its seeds are here now. And quite frankly, in my opinion, the apostasy will usher in the tribulation. All of the Bible warnings about perilous times and false teaching and false teachers, they play a part in bringing about the environment into which the apostasy is going to flourish. You know, I'm telling you this now because you need to prepare yourself. You need to be on guard. You need to be watchful. You need to understand what's going on spiritually in America. You need to understand what's going on spiritually in your church. Look at Matthew. The persecution of Christians is going to be worldwide. 
with some even dying for their faith. Christians are going to be hated. Many will be offended. This offense will lead them to betray one another. They shall also hate one another. This will give rise to more false prophets being accepted in the church who deceive many. That will lead to further iniquity or lawlessness, as it's called. This increased lawlessness has the result of causing many to lose their love or become godless. Yes, many, 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 many. Indeed, that's not good news. But the good news is it's not all. It's not everyone. There's still always a remnant. I believe the pictures of the remnant in Israel were to show us that there will be a remnant in the church that's going to stand tall in the midst of the apostasy, in the midst of the persecution, in the midst of the tribulation that we're about to suffer. I'm preaching this to warn you. Many will turn from Christ during this time. It's written. You're not going to change it. The baby steps to this apostasy are here now. They're in our churches. Charles Spurgeon, love him. He writes that even though we are beset on all sides, demons everywhere around us, they pale in comparison to the damage that one demon inside the church can do. We are at the dangerous peril of having this come and destroy us from the inside. That's what Charles Spurgeon is writing. I implore you, check out what your preachers are telling you. Are they warning you? Are they preaching the gospel? Are they telling you about Jesus Christ? Are they talking about sin? Are they telling you that sin has the potential to destroy you? Do they tell you that Christ has saved you from your sin? Do they tell you that he already paid the penalty? He went to hell so you don't have to. We don't like to talk about that in our church. That's not flowery. That's not happy stuff. That's not light. No, that's heavy-duty truth, but it's designed to keep you from falling back into the great apostasy, which is coming. The deceptions have been subtle. The heresies sneak in. Our fervor is doused by feel-good doctrines, and we are scared to warn one another. Not so here. I'm going to tell you the truth. I am ready. I am willing and I am quite able to help you contend for the faith. David Barton, he's the founder and the president of Wall Builders Ministry. I'm sure you have heard of him. Tremendous, tremendous ministry trying to reconnect the church and the foundations that were laid in America with civil government. He does a great job, him and many others, but he did some checking. These figures are just going to astound you. 384,000 churches. I got this information from an interview that he did with James and Betty Roberson. Three minutes long, but he gave this information. It's just amazing. 384,000 churches and lead pastors in America. 384,000. Surveys show six simple Christianity 101 questions were asked of the leaders in these churches. Simple questions like, do you believe Jesus lived a sinless life? Do you believe salvation by grace alone? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit infills believers? Do you believe that God answers prayer today? Etc. Six simple, basic 101 Christianity questions. 70% of those surveys did not believe those basic Bible truths. That's like 280,000 of those 384,000 churches do not believe that the Bible is true about those issues. That still leaves, good news, 100,000 basically conservative Christian churches in America. Now, out of those 100,000, they were asked 14 different questions about spiritual matters in the Bible. Do you believe that the Bible talks about or addresses issues such as homosexuality, abortion, uh, divorce, gay marriage, immigration, closed borders? Do you believe that the Bible addresses issues like that? Now, 91 to 97% of the pastors surveyed said, yes, we do believe that the Bible addresses issues like that. Great. That was good to know. But then the bad news was they asked if these 
91 to 97 percent of preachers had ever gone ahead and talked about these issues from the pulpit or would they talk about them from the pulpit? Less than 3% said that they would. That's just appalling to me. So you've got 384,000 churches, and out of the 384,000 churches, only 100,000 believe the Bible is absolute. Out of that 100,000, less than 3,000 would ever talk about the spiritual issues outlined in the Bible concerning our society today. And the reason they won't talk about them is because they've been hijacked by the political people. They're thinking these are not spiritual issues, that they're political issues. I've never heard of anything so ridiculous. The Bible is a spiritual book. The Word of God is spirit. The Holy Spirit is here to lead us and guide us into all truth. And yet we're going to abstain from talking about issues such as illicit sex, the murder of our children, the invasion by demonic spirits into our nation through illegal entrance on our borders. We're going to refuse to talk about them because the politicians have hijacked it. The politicians say, no, 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 these are not moral issues. These are not biblical issues. That's ridiculous. Where are men and women reading their Bibles, talking to God, following the Holy Ghost? The Bible says the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. The Bible says he's the Spirit of truth, come to lead us and guide us into all truth. The Bible says the righteous understands all things. We're supposed to know this stuff. And if you're in a position of authority, if you're in a pastoral role, if you are a leader, you're supposed to be telling your sheep this information so that we know how to impact the society in which we live in. Basically, that means this survey means that today, church in America is leaving the sheep to fend for themselves. We're not using God's word to arm or to defend or to prepare the sheep to fend off issues like apostasy coming down the road and spiritual compromise. They're letting us vote carnally and letting the world go its own way without ever holding them accountable to answer the sin question and telling them that the solution to their sin problem is Jesus. Remember, Jesus came to take away the sin of the world. The Holy Spirit is here to convict the sinner, the world of sin. We need to utilize Jesus and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to save this dying world. Is it any wonder that America looks like it does now? You know, there's still pockets of righteousness, and we get our victories every now and then. Uh, Just last week, we saw where President Trump has reinstituted prayer back in school. You know, I don't know, people like Beth Moore, people like Max Lucado and others that criticize our president or anti-Trump when he's doing such great things. If you can't see the spiritual impact for righteousness that our president has had on this nation, where else are you missing God? I don't want to sit under a ministry that can get it wrong on such a big issue, such an important issue like that, and then think that they're going to be able to get it right on the daily living of biblical understanding. I'm sorry, I I can't do that. I put them on the shelf. I pray for them, but I'm moving on. You need to make a similar decision concerning the people that you're letting minister to you, concerning your church. Are they teaching you the truth? Are they telling you? Are they recognizing? Is your leader wise enough? prayed up enough, reading the Bible enough where he has insights to discern the difference between good and evil, right and wrong. Do they not see that God has sent President Trump to our nation to help restore righteousness? We may never get there. We may never get to the place where we once were, but that doesn't mean we quit trying. That doesn't mean we don't support the people that are making an effort. That doesn't mean that we pray for them. But we can't be going out there and because of our spiritual ignorance, voting for people that are opposite the man that God placed in there to help us get back into our Christian roots. Anyway, it's, it's a disappointing aspect, and it's leading to a greater apostasy in the world than we've ever seen. Revelation three fifteen through 17, this is uh, the book of Revelation where Jesus, the head of the church, is talking to his seven churches that were representative of the churches today. 
And this is the church at, let's see, this is at, I don't know, this is the last church. This is Laodicea. Revelation 3, 15 and 17. I know your works, and I know that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And other translation says you make me sick. Verse 17, because you say I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, he's going to spew you out of his mouth. This is the the assessment that Jesus had on the church at Laodicea. Many would say that today's church is the church of Laodicea. I don't know. You know, there's always a remnant. There's good and bad within every church. And yet this is the assessment that Jesus had on a church that could very well be construed as the churches that we were just surveyed. They took the survey from 90% of the churches don't believe that Jesus lived sinless. These are the people that are representing Christianity in America. This is terrible. How do you call yourself a church? I don't understand. Many churches don't believe that the Bible is real. We just saw that. I think it was, I could be wrong. I think it was the Methodist church that just split because a big portion wanted to ordain homosexuals into the ministry and others said no. So they just compromised and they split right down the middle. You know, this is a far cry from the Reverend Charles Finley who lived at the turn of the 19th century. He was credited with playing a huge role in the Second Great Awakening in America. And he built an entire evangelical ministry that actively engaged the nation in the political issues of his day. He knew that slavery and women's suffrage and prison reform weren't political issues. He knew that they had their roots and they were spiritual in nature. And he actually did something about them. In addition to preaching Jesus Christ and demanding that people come, his biggest sermon was, what do you do with Jesus Christ? He forced people into facing that question and making a decision. But in addition to that... He bore much truth in that, by the way. In addition to that, he got involved, was the founder, I believe, of Oberlin College, which is actually in Ohio, and they actually ran slaves, the Underground Railroad. He took a stance that slavery was wrong. He found it in the Bible, and he went ahead and he showed people that, hey, we're not only going to tell you the truth about Jesus Christ, we're going to tell you the truth about doctrine, but we're going to back it up. And he actually used that college that bore his name to go ahead and help the slaves escape through the North. Just tremendous. He was active in prison reform, and he was also played a huge role in women's suffrage. He recognized that we were all created equal. And so he went ahead and he took a stance for that. And sure, he got hit and he got persecuted and everything like that. But God used him because he was willing to take a stand. Where are men like Charles Finley today? That song, you know the song, Onward Christian Soldiers? That song was born out of this move of the Second Great Awakening in America. And it was militaristic in form. And it talked about the fact that the Christians needed to go ahead, identify with Christ and be active in prayer, active in intercession, active in worship. And they were to be used. And that became a marching song for the church back in the 1830s and 1840s. Unfortunately, what's going on in America today doesn't paint a very pretty picture. And the apostasy that's going on where we read in Matthew that people are going to be offended. We're going to betray one another in the body of Christ. We're going to be putting up with false prophets that are going to deceive many. That's not a pretty picture. It's only the tip of the iceberg about what we're going to experience. But, you know, it's been written and therefore it needs to be preached. And like I says, we're not going to change it. But we can protect you. And that's what we're trying to do to protect you. If you know what's coming down the road, forewarned is forearmed. If you know what's coming down the road, you have a better chance of surviving what's going on. We do this here as a way of warning. All of this stuff is happening right now. The false teachers are here. Christians are leaving the church now. 
uh, many are jealous of the faith of others, and that's where the hatred comes from. They're convicted, and they are jealous of the Christians that are enduring to the end, and it builds a hatred between them. Christians are leaving the church. The others that are staying, the Christians that are staying or being persecuted by those that are leaving the church, there's no question that sin, which is basically lawlessness, is on the rise. That is producing a loss of love and an increase in godliness. Going back to that scripture in Matthew where it talked about that because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will wax cold. Understand this, the, because the love of many is waxing cold, that's not what's causing lawlessness in the land. Lawlessness in the land is causing the hearts of many to wax cold. You got to get that right because we put up with lawlessness. President Obama was a huge proponent of lawlessness. He pushed lawlessness. He was against the police officers. He hated the ICE people that enforced immigration laws. He weakened our military so that we would be defenseless against the international armies that we may have to face. Trump, a man of law and order, built all that up, which was great because lawlessness has the potential to destroy us. Don't forget, because lawlessness is growing and abounding and increasing in the land, that is causing the ruination and the hardness of hearts in the body of Christ by the people of God. And it also has an effect worldwide. We've got to stand tall against that. This is a good spot to point out something that Paul wrote in Romans. This is really good. I love this. And I guess I'm going to have to get done with this. This is my last scripture to talk on. I'm out of time almost. But listen, this is so important. You've got to get this. Romans 11. 21 and 22. Paul was writing in Romans about the fact that the Jews, which represented the natural branches on the tree, which was Christ. Remember, he said that they're going to be cut off and that he was going to replace them with the unnatural branches. He was going to graft them in. Remember that? Romans eleven twenty one and 22. For if God spared not the natural branches, Israel, take heed lest also he spare not thee. Paul is writing this to Roman Christians. If God didn't spare the natural branches, Israel, but he's going to go ahead and you have the potential to not be spared either, you Christian Gentile believer. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God. This is key. On them which fell, Israel, you're going to witness the severity. But toward thee that were grafted in, you're going to witness the goodness of God. And here's the key. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt also be cut off. So he's telling them, he's telling the Roman Christians, look, I'm grafting you in, into the vine. You're new branches. You're unnatural, but you are grafted in. But you have the potential to be cut off. But the thing that can keep you from being cut off is you must continue in my goodness. What do we know about the goodness of God? The Bible says that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. This is so great. So God is not looking to hang us out to dry when we sin. That's why he offers us goodness. There's always an opportunity for repentance. He's saying, I understand you're going to sin. That's not why I would graft you off. But you must continue in my goodness. Why? Because the goodness is the place where God's repentance is found. He's saying, I'm not going to hang you out to dry for sinning. But you can get in trouble when you don't repent. That's the key. We're all going to sin. God knows that. He loves us. That's why he gives us repentance. But as long as we repent, Paul was telling the Roman Christians, you won't be cut off. So that's it. Why do you think there's such a demonic move with the hyper grace message to keep the Christians from repenting? Because repenting is the key for us staying in grace. We must understand that. I want to remind you again that the third Sunday of every month, the next one will be February, I think it's the 16th, we have our Patriots for Christ class 
Very important. We talked last week about the impeachment process going on to try to remove our righteous President Trump from office. We gave you the spiritual aspects behind it. We showed some videos by her name was Chris Hall, Chris Ann Hall. I couldn't think of her name last week. David Barton had a short video, Rick Green. And we spoke about Charles Finley and about the aspect of what the preachers should be doing today to guard our nation against losing our president like this. Very important. Spiritual in all its nature. Next month, we'll be talking about something new. We hope you can make it. You can email us, gospelguy, G-O-S-P-E-L-G-U-I, at comcast.net. Registration is free. The class is free. We feed you guys the word of God. We feed you some light snacks. And we just want to get to know you. We want to prepare you, just like they're telling you this stuff about the coming apostasy, where if we can give you the information, you will be warned and you have the opportunity to make your choice to stand tall for Christ. I'm Ron Geyer. These are End Time Insights. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.